Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kurt Damon. Hi, everybody. It's Ben, one half of your Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy podcasting duo. Today is March 3rd, 2022, and I'm sure many of you, like Kirk and I, are reeling a little bit from the recent events in Eastern Europe. Um, We are about a week into the invasion of Ukraine by the Russian Federation, which has been uh, disruptive and weighing on the minds of a lot of people, especially those of us who have uh, friends, uh, colleagues, and so forth who, um, you know, have family or are located in Ukraine. And it's been, uh, for a lot of people, a a tough week uh, for for a number of reasons. So uh, we just want to, you know, we're we're cognizant of that, bearing that in mind, and our thoughts are with those that are stuck in harm's way. So... Um, anyway, uh, this week we're doing an edamame episode after our um, one of our prior episodes, a listener, uh, Chris D. Hi, Chris. Uh, latched onto something Kirk had said about an unusual transformer that he owns. And we got the idea that maybe Kirk could do an edamame episode talking about his uh, toy collecting. Um, if any of you have ever seen Kirk's office here in St. Louis, uh, it is uh, replete with uh, toys mundane and uh, esoteric. So... Uh, Kirk does have quite a collection, and uh, I thought it'd be fun for him to talk a little bit about that uh, in an Edamame episode. So that's what's going to happen. I have not listened to it. I don't know what he's going to say, so I will enjoy it uh, with you all after I publish this. So without further ado, here's Kirk. Hello, all. This is Kirk, and I'm going to go ahead and record another uh, Edamame episode for you. I haven't done one of these in a little while, partially because I usually record these outside at my house, and it's been the middle of winter, it's been cold, um, and I've been outrageously busy, so I have haven't actually had a chance to do it. We've just been doing the main episodes. But anyway, I did want to go ahead and do an edamame episode uh, to get out for you guys. Uh, This episode is going to be entirely sort of, um, I guess, uh, science fiction geek related. Um, But we had an inquiry from one of the... uh, one of our listeners, uh, in response to, I indicated some uh, some questions about you know having historically significant transformers uh, from my collection, and people wanted to know generally a little bit more information about what that was, and a little bit more information about my transformers collection. So anyway, this entirely is going to be about toy collecting um, as an episode. If there's any other toy collectors out there, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance for anything I may say that you disagree with. Uh, I know that toy collectors have different uh, opinions of things, and they're is a lot of sort of disagreement around uh, even specifics of Transformers collecting. So in any case, um, I'll just apologize for that in advance. And if this doesn't interest you, feel free to not listen to this episode. But if you're interested in sort of hearing some of the down and dirty um, about the Transformers and the uh, the toy from the 80s and beyond, uh, feel free. So anyway, let me just give you a little bit of intro into... Um, Uh, The Transformers as a toy and my own involvement in conjunction with collecting it. So the Transformers was released in the United States in the... um uh, the mid-80s, basically, uh, as a toy. It was released originally by Hasbro. Um, when they released it, it was released in conjunction with a television uh, animated special, uh, which was on TV. In my time zone, I watched it as soon as I got home from primarily middle school, uh, and it was on immediately afterwards at 4 o'clock, and at 4.30 was G.I. Joe. Um, so those two things went together. 
But I got into the Transformers. The very first one I got, I was given by a neighbor um, as a Christmas present. The one I actually got was Cliff Jumper. Uh, Cliff Jumper was a small car. He was sold on a card. Uh, the version I got, however, never made any sense to me because Cliff Jumper was supposed to be red, and the Cliff Jumper I got was yellow. Um, now there was a yellow version of Cliff Jumper. It was a slightly different car. Uh, it was a, a Volkswagen Bug. Um, but it didn't quite look the same. It transformed the same way, but they didn't quite look the same. And that one was supposed to be yellow. Um, now, in the end, I actually ended up getting uh, it was known as Bumblebee and was a star of the TV show. In the end, I actually got a red Bumblebee, um, which I used to try to think of them as being the opposites of each other, but it never quite worked because they were different styles of car. But that got me started. Um, the first year, I got uh, I got Cliff Jumper. I got Sideswipe um, as another one. And that sort of started me getting Transformers. I had a lot of Transformers as a kid, um, the original 80s toys. Um, I uh, actively, you know, collected them. I actively, you know, got them. I watched the TV show regularly. I got the notification when the uh, movie was going to come out. Um, so they actually do a Transformers movie. Uh, it's somewhat uh, famous because of the fact that it's one of the few times in a children's movie a major character dies. Um, yes, it's a spoiler alert, but early on in the Transformers movie, Optimus Prime, the leader of the Autobots, one of the most famous characters from the animated TV show, dies. Uh, he is killed by his, his rival Megatron. Um, and that's an important aspect of the movie and things that go on during the movie. And then the, the new leader who takes over from him, Rodimus Prime, uh, that's what it is. So anyway, that's what they did in the United States in the 1980s. For purposes of Transformers collectors, those toys are typically referred to as what's called G1 or Generation 1. Most people consider those the original Transformers. Now, they are not the original Transformers toys, um... The original toys that actually became the Transformers were released originally in Japan and were released in two different series and two different toy lines. Uh, the first of these is what's called Microman. Uh, Microman was a response to the three and a half inch uh, action figure uh, G.I. Joes. So if you watch anything on sort of the history of toys, uh, G.I. Joe was the first action figure. Um, Action figures can always be thought of, and it has been joked about before, as being dolls for boys. Um, but they were not allowed to be referred to as dolls. Uh, it was prohibited when they released G.I. Joe. They are soldiers. They were originally released in a larger size. So they were originally released uh, more at the 12-inch size, the sort of original action figures. Uh, some original Star Wars figures were also released at that size. Uh, for those of you who are into sort of the lore as to uh, what it is. I have one of those, by the way. I have the Jawa. Um, the, uh, but they were released down to three and a half inch size and became action figures. In Japan, there was a lot of discussion of the fact that American soldiers would probably not be the most popular form uh, of toy to be sold. And so they generated Microman. Microman were aliens. Um, the Microman were actually supposed to be actual size. So they were actually three and a half inches tall. Um, that was the, the relatives is what they were. And they were supported with a variety of supporting things such as robots. So they had a variety of robots and things like that. A number of the toys that were created uh, are the original Microman toys. Basically, anything that was a real object in the Transformers that was essentially scaled correctly um, was generally originally in Microman. And that includes a very initial um, things that came out. So Megatron, who transformed into a toy gun. Uh, Soundwave, who, who transformed into a, you know, a portable cassette player um, that were sort of original uh, toys released initially. Now, interestingly enough, the Bumblebee and Cliff Chumper I referred to were designed to be originally toy cars. They were penny racers. Um, and so that's the way they were. 
uh, released in Microman, but a number of later generation ones, such as Blaster, who is a portable radio, um, um, essentially a boombox, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the terminology of the 80s, um, was also you know part of that, even though he was released later. Um, that, uh, Microman was very, very popular and then transformed into a spinoff called Diaclone. Diaclone used one-inch action figures, very small action figures, um, and they were not supposed to be actual size. They were supposed to essentially be human-sized, um, but then they had a variety of cars that transformed into robots um, and other vehicles that they used. Um, these became primarily the Autobot cars from Generation 1 um, of the Transformers, along with the, uh, the Decepticon jets, um, Optimus Prime, who I mentioned earlier, the leader of the Autobots. Uh, but basically, if you look at the original Transformers, the very first season of Transformers, uh, the Autobots are primarily cars uh, that transform, and the Decepticons are primarily objects that transform. The only exception is that the uh, Decepticons had the jets. Um, so basically, the Autobots were supposed to be essentially cars and land vehicles. The Decepticons were kind of everything else. Now, I'm obviously talking a lot about you've heard Autobots Decepticons some of this stuff is I think in, in popular lore and most you'll know generally what they are the two opposing sides I'm not going to get into the details uh, of what it is because I want to talk about the toys but in any case uh, that's what we have now because of the fact that most of the toys and actually when they wanted to bring the toys to the United States as Transformers most of the toys were selected from existing uh, Diaclone and the uh the Microman lines. Now, some of them didn't make any sense. For example, they were transforming cassettes that transformed into vehicles for the Microman. So they transformed into a motorcycle or a gyrocopter uh, for a three and a half inch action figure. Those were not brought into the United States uh, for obvious reasons as Transformers because it didn't make any sense um, in conjunction with the Transformers where they were they were more sentient. Um, but those were the uh, the kind of things that you got into. One of the things that they did do when they changed them into the Transformers is they cha- that changed the vast majority of their colors. Uh, so a number of the original Diaclone and Microman things had come in different colors than they came in when they were uh, released in the United States. Some of them had sort of intriguing um, backstories and connections because of it. So, for example, one of the ones that, that's sort of well-known is Blue Streak, who is a silver uh, car in the Transformer, was originally blue, <laughs> and so in Diaclone. So that's you know sort of where his name came from. Uh, in conjunction with it. A number of them also had different versions. So, for example, Sideswipe, um, brought in the United States, who is a Lamborghini Countach. Um, he's a red Lamborghini Tutak in the United States. He had other versions um, in his uh, micro, uh, sorry, his Diaclone days. So he had red. He also had a black version, and he had a police car version. Um, so those were, you know, Diaclone toys as to what's out there. Typically, Diaclone and Microman toys, along with a few other toy lines that were also drug into Transformers over the time, uh, including, interesting enough, Jetfire. Jetfire was released the second season as a, as a jet for the Autobots. He is actually a Robotech toy, um, which was a sort of competing uh, thing at the time. Robotech is based on Macross, uh, the Japanese anime. Uh, again, brought into the United States and voiced over in some sense, well, in many senses, the plot changed um, in order to correspond to American audiences. But basically, all those toys and what a lot of people think of when they think back to the 80s of Transformers is what was known as Generation 1 um, of Transformers. A few things to keep in mind. Generation 1 of the Transformers lasted effectively uh, about four seasons in the United States. Um, There's three full seasons. There's the movie, um, and then there's a fourth season that occurs after the movie, and then there's a partial season that occurs after that with only three episodes, if I remember correctly, in it. I don't know the stuff post the movie very well. And a lot of that was just because my involvement with it, the interest I had as a kid, um, was all sort of pre-movie. I still remember getting the end of the flyer, announcing that the movie was coming out. 
Um, and, you know, just uh, being, you know, unable to, to like sit still for a week. Um, I went and saw it, you know, I think opening weekend, it was one of the few movies I had really begged to see. I loved it. Um, you know, really enjoyed it sort of stuff like that. So it's, it was one of those things to me that that was really my involvement with the toys. Um, one thing to keep in mind about the toys, I was not allowed to have Megatron, uh, even though he's the leader of the Decepticons because my parents were heavily opposed to me having toy guns. Uh, and Megatron does oppo- uh, transform into a, uh, a toy, uh, a toy pistol, uh, with various, you know, add-ons and stuff like that. He was in fact only one of two toy guns that were released in the transforming line. Megatron was one. Shockwave was another who transformed into a futuristic pistol. Uh, there were a number of other transforming guns uh, that existed in conjunction with the Diaclone line um, that were never brought into the United States. Um, the The basics of what you get into is that once you get out of sort of Generation 1, the Transformers kind of fell out of favor. Uh, they were brought back as Generation 2, which is where the name Generation 1 comes from, as people refer to it as Generation 2. Generation 2 involved a lot of metalization um, of the original models. It was released solely as toys, and my understanding is did not do very well. Um, at that point in time, sort of the, the Transformers kind of fell by the wayside, I think, as a toy line. They ended up releasing a series. I think I've got these in the right order. It's been a while since I've gone through all of my backstory um, of Beast Machines. But a lot of people also know Transformers Beast Wars. Um, and you may very well have encountered sort of Transformers Beast Wars. The primary way people understand Transformers Beast, Beast Wars is the famous line that they used to do. It was Transformers roll out in Generation 1 when they'd transform. In Generation 2, it was Beast Mode. And that's where that phrase originally comes from, Beast Mode. Uh, basically, in Beast Wars, the Transformers, instead of turning into vehicles and mechanical objects, uh, turn into animals. Um, it entirely resets the storyline. It has its own animated cartoon. I did not watch Beast Wars uh, at all when I was a kid. I was a little bit too old for it at the time that it came out. But likely, many of our leaders that, are, sorry, our listeners, um, Beast Wars is what they remember. The Transformers. Again, it was a little later of a series. Beast Wars was, in many respects, a groundbreaking um, cartoon uh, in what it did. It would involve CGI in the early days of CGI. It was also hugely popular, kind of revitalized the Transformers. Um, and you have a Transformers Beast Wars coming out. Since Beast Wars, a lot of the Transformers releases have been more nostalgic up until the recent movies um, that were released. Uh, the, the, um, the sort of big screen you know, previews of the series that's come out of, out of those, you know, Robots in Disguise and stuff like that. So there's a number of series. Uh, Robots in Disguise another one was another series that was released. Um, there are other series that have been released, such as Alternators. Uh, but those are all much more modern. So anyway, to give you the background of what it was, I got involved in Transformers Collecting because at one point in time I decided I wanted to, as an adult, own Megatron because I'd never owned Megatron. I'd gotten my Transformers toys back uh, from when I was a kid. I still have them. Um, and had always wanted Megatron, wasn't allowed to have Megatron, and I figured as an adult I was entitled to have Megatron. And so I bought a Megatron, an old one, um, off of eBay. But one of the big things that got involved with it is I wanted to make sure I had a real one. I didn't know whether or not things had been released post then. I very quickly realized as I was looking for stuff that um, there were a variety of different things. There were all these weird colors of things that I knew very little about Transformers. But anyway, I guess I could say Megatron got me started on collecting. 
So you know about my collection? I collected Transformers actively for probably 10 to 12 years. I primarily collected Generation 1 and pre-Transformers, which is the common phrase that a lot of collectors use to refer to the Diaclone and Microman lines generally, um, as well as anything else which was released before the Transformers. Um, I was a very aggressive sort of, you know, I, I guess I would call it sort of high-end collector of what it was. I focused on in-box models, ideally sealed models. Um as opposed to, you know, loose models. I did do a lot of um, importing. I bought a number of my models from Japan simply because of the fact that the, um, at that point in time, you know, getting pre-transformers, most of these were released in Japan and not in the United States. Another aspect of Transformers collecting and Transformers lore I got very seriously into are what are known as Kabaya kits. Uh, I believe I have it pronounced right. I've never actually heard it correctly pronounced by anybody who's Japanese. Uh, so I don't know if it's pronounced correctly. But Kabaya kits, um, in many respects, are for Japan what Cracker Jack is in the United States. Um, what you encountered in conjunction with Kabaya kits was they are kits that are sold um, to kids. They are small boxes. They come with a toy. The toy is not specifically Transformers. It's any kind of uh, sort of generally licensed toy line. The kits are usually small model kits. So you basically have to put them together um, as a toy. I I oftentimes think of the old McDonald's toys. uh, If you remember those, a lot of times those came as kits and had to be assembled. Um, You know, when you got them, that was a Kabaya toys kind of remind me of those in in many respects. And then there were two sizes, uh, one of which came with a a piece of chocolate. The other one of which came with a um, a gum, uh, a big piece of gum. Um, as to what it was. So those are Kabaya toys. Um, and again, the two sizes are important. Oftentimes you'll refer to Chaco kits um, or gum kits uh, between them uh, because they are different sizes. The the Chaco kits were usually very small, uh, very simple. So a, a model might only have four or five pieces. Um, the gum kits were generally much larger um, and oftentimes, you know, had even two or three sprues worth of, uh, of uh, pieces to assemble your models with. So I early on got into collecting Kabaya kits. I bumped into them kind of by accident. I'd originally started collecting cassettes. Uh, Soundwave had always been one of my favorite uh, Transformers. And so I'd, I'd gotten very into trying to collect a lot of the cassettes. It was another thing I had not had very much as a child and I'd always wanted sort of more of. And I bumped into uh, the Kabaya kit for Steeljaw. Uh, Steeljaw is a cassette that transformed into a lion. Um, he is much smaller. By the way, the Kabaya kits are almost always substantially smaller than their Transformer uh, versions and they're much simpler. They're typically only one color, sometimes two. Uh, the version I got was a Chaco kit uh, version, and um, they're almost always one color. And you know, got sort of into you know, hey, what is this uh, things, and started trying to learn about Kabaya kits. At the point in time I did this, you were obviously gathering information via the internet. There were a lot of Transformers boards. Um, I was involved in a, you know a lot of discussions in conjunction with them. Um, Kabaya kits were not a popular uh, Transformer collectible. That has since changed. Uh, many Kabaya kits have been re-released, um, or the new ones have been created as part of the Transformers line. Um, and you know they've since become quite a popular collectible uh, from that. But at the time I got started with this, there were only really one or two sites online that had anything about Kabaya kits. Um, and I knew very little about them. It was hard to find information. And it quickly sort of caught my collecting bug of things that interested me. The way I would describe my collection now and what my collection was, I have since, uh, as I said, I got to it about 12 years. I have since sold off the vast majority of my collection. I've kept a few, uh, two, two other uh, professional collectors and, and dealers. Um, the uh, the best group of collections I have now, I have kept a few of the sort of modern, what they call reprint kits, kits that have released things in new colors, uh, in new boxes, and stuff like that, just because it's uh, they're they're cool, and I have a, a 
particular sort of, you know, attraction to looking at them and stuff like that. I have kept my entire Kabaya collection and I have collected a lot of collection of other things that are Transformers model kits. So basically kits that, that come as models, which are, you know, uh, assembled into Transformers of some form. I include those because there are a number that were released in Korea that are effectively real Transformers and they have screws and springs and everything that were released as model kits. And they're, they're kind of cool. Um, but anyway, that's sort of where my, my, uh, my collection focus. So anyway, uh, to give you the background of it, one of the things you bump into very quickly with Transformers is that a number of Transformers were released a number of times, and it's a matter of figuring out which versions you have. A simple example is the mini cars. Um, so again, the penny racers that I talked about, Bumblebee Cliffjumper, um, and then there's a number of them as, as well, um, were released both in uh, the United States in sort of the Transformers colors. Oftentimes that was one of a couple colors that were released in Japan as a Diaclone line. Um, in addition, sort of those color, the mini cars were also released in a number of South American countries where they have another, other different colors. Um, so there's Argentinian Argentinian ones, uh, stuff like that. One of the big things collectors bump into is which version you have. So when you get something, how do you determine what version it is? There are a number of changes that were made to molds that were made to the way that the cars were constructed during the time. So for example, my side spray, which of course I know is an original transformer. I got it very early in the transformers days. Um, his canopy opens, uh, and he has a, a little seat inside him so that uh, you can place a Diaclone figure because it was the original figure, uh, the original Diaclone toy that was brought into the United States. Um, a number of places, they had those things removed uh, eventually or molded in a different way so that you can tell what versions things are. Just to tie this into IP law for a second, one of the things that a lot of Transformers collectors use is the copyright notices. Um, when they make uh, these, these toys, they stamp copyright notices into them and they stamp also the countries that they're made. So when I talk about the idea of having, uh, you know, sort of some significant historical Transformers, I actually had three I would consider to be of some historical significance that I owned. The first of these uh, was I found a Steel Jaw initially again. Uh, Steel Jaw seems to be a one that comes up a lot for me, which was Stamp Macau. Um, as the copyright, that was interesting because it was not known that Steel Jaw had been manufactured in Macau. Um, the the Transformers, the Hasbro plants moved around a lot um, as to where the, exactly they were manufactured, but that was not one that had a connection with that. I'd worked with another Transformers collector to try to figure out if we could time it because, again, I was trying to figure out which version I had uh, from what year of Transformers and what country it was released in. Um and so, you know, that's, that's one of the ones that I did. The other ones I have that are significant, um, one of the ones I have, I have what's known as a test shot, um, of scavenger. Uh, as far as I know, it is an original test shot. Uh, test shots were when they originally had the molds made for Transformers. They would typically run the molds um, with just sort of whatever plastic was on hand in order to make sure the molds work to the toy assembled, transform, stuff like that. And those were used for testing purposes. Key things of test shots, they never have decals um, because of the fact that they were they were, they were also not painted. Uh, they are just plastic. Uh, there is a long history in Transformers, especially of, uh, amongst collectors more recently, of uh, what are commonly referred to as Sunday night specials or Saturday night spe uh, Sunday morning specials, Saturday night specials, Saturday night specials, something along those lines. And um, that was where employees would sneak into the plants after hours and run what essentially looked like test shots, but were not. Uh, the toys were already in production. But test shots, needless to say, uh, sold for a lot of money. The one I have, Scavenger, he is a Constructicon, one of the ones that assembles with everybody else. He's actually the backhoe uh, version of it. I, the person I bought him from actually did obtain him from a person at Hasbro um, with the understanding that it is an actual test shot from the Generation 1 Scavenger. 
Um, so I have reason to believe that, that that's what it is. I have maintained that I've kept that figure partially because of the fact that that figure probably belongs in a toy museum uh, at some point in time. And so, you know, if anybody has a, an, a person to be interested in that, uh, let me know because that is one that, that I kind of feel like should belong in a toy museum given its history and its, its likely traceability uh, back to what it actually is. Um, the ones that I had, and I think I were discussing when I talked about it was, uh, having to do with the Kabaya line. So I learned very quickly how to, and again, I was early in Kabaya, how to search, uh, Kabaya, a lot of Kabaya toys I had to bring in from Japan. Um, and so I was searching on Yahoo Japan, which was the equivalent of eBay, but in Japanese. Um, I even had cut and paste where I had a number of, fa- of transformer words I had worked out uh, in Japanese. So I knew how to search for them, um, you know, based upon what I would find. Uh, there are companies, if you're interested, by the way, of buying products from Japan, there are a number of companies um, out there where you can buy products uh, using uh, sites like eBay and, and Yahoo uh, that require shipping to Japan. That will, you will, They will act as a site for you. You ship your product to them and then they package all your products up and ship it to you. Uh, I use the number of those. It was called Private Import Japan. Um, a lot of people do this. So anyway, I was uh, actively searching for all these things. I was actively searching on eBay on a regular basis for anything Kabaya related to see what I could find uh, with it. Um, I was also searching for uh, for products that, that uh, and again, I don't know if I'm going to get the word entirely right from Japan. It's, I understand it's Gushapon, um, which are vending machine toys, toys that were sold in those little plastic bubbles. Um, my understanding is the way the, the name comes from the sound the machine makes. Um, that's the, when it dispenses. So anyway, I was searching around for those, and I happened to bump into a series of diaclones I had never seen before. Um that appeared to have boxes when I could tell they looked like they were legitimately Japanese. I didn't know in the United States, so I bought them. What we found out afterwards, and one of the part of the reason I bought them, is there had been rumors of a vehicle known as Black Bumblebee. Uh, so there had been a Bumblebee released that was in black plastic, as opposed to yellow and red, that were the two that were common, uh, had both been released as Transformers and had both been released uh, in, as Diaclones in that way. The Transformers, he was supposed to be yellow, but some red ones did make it into packaging. But this one appeared to have a potential black Bumblebee in it, from what I could tell. Uh, so anyway, I bought the set. It was sent to me. Uh, what I discovered in the course of doing it is that it was six pre-Transformers toys, from what I could work out, Diaclone toys. Uh, they they were the versions of Perceptor, the microscope, uh, Bumblebee. Um, I can't literally not remember the other one. And then uh, three of the uh, ones that basically transformed into rocks. Um, so, you know, sort of less interesting uh, designs, but you know what they had from it. The toys are damaged. Um, none of them are complete, uh, but it was obvious what they were. However, they did come with boxes. Uh, boxes are important because it allows you to be able to verify what is something, where did it come from, and they had their instruction sheets, uh, which was also very useful. In the course of reviewing it, it appeared that these were indeed Japanese toys um, and did appear to be legitimate Kabaya toys um, from what it was. Uh, I talked to the number of collectors when we did this. What we since worked out at the time is it is what was known as Series 1 of the Diaclone collectibles. They released uh, two series of Kabaya from Diaclone, Series 1 and Series 2. Series 2 was relatively well-known at the time. At the time it was, they knew there was a Series 1, but nobody actually knew what was in it. Um, at the time we did it, it was believed I may have the first complete Series 1 Diaclone that anybody had known about uh, as Kabaya toys. 
It also definitively answered the question of where Black Bumblebee came from. And the Black Bumblebee was the Kabaya version of the Diaclone toy, and that's where Black Bumblebee had come from. So that's my historically significant Transformers toy. It is. I still own that set. Um, I have seen a few other people since then. I don't really search out Transformers information anymore. Uh, but I know as Diaclone and uh, Tobias collecting was getting a little bit more uh, in common. Uh, I did see some more sets. Some more people did encounter uh, Season 1, Series 1 Diaclones. Um but it's one of those where, you know, that's the, the set that I have uh, that, that at the time was very historically significant. It allowed us to basically sort of notch in something as to what it is. There, as the time I stopped collecting still a number of Diaclone and Transformers mysteries um, as to, you know, whether or not uh, certain things did exist, um, you know, what, what happened with it. The, a few of the big ones um, that exist and the questions associated with it. Uh, one of the major ones is, is there a blue, blue streak? Um, was a blue version of blue streak, the original Diaclone toy, ever packaged in Transformers packaging um, and sold that way? That has been an ongoing question. There have been a number that have been found that is supposedly sealed, all of which have been proved to be fakes. Um, you know, people who repackage things in boxes later on. Um, but there's always been a question because of the fact that number of the, the Diaclone toys made it into Transformers packaging in the wrong color, um, whether or not there was ever a blue, blue streak actually sold. Um, and by the way, blue streak is actually, um, he's blue in the, in the drawings of, in some of the drawings of him. So that's also where, you know, the question is, is do people remember having blue, blue streak? Do they remember the drawings or do they remember, uh, the actual toy? Um, another one I know was a major issue is what was known as black tracks. Tracks was a Corvette. Um, his Diaclone version was red. Uh, his Transformers version was blue, but there are pictures of, of catalogs, uh, that show him in black. And there's a question as to whether or not a black toy was ever sold. Um, or whether or not that was a, some kind of a test shot that was used for the marketing picture um, and and never actually existed beyond being a test shot. At the time I was uh, getting out of collecting, I know there was a lot of discussion about the fact that the, uh, the they may have discovered the, the source of black tracks. Um, he may have actually been released in some foreign, specific foreign countries, um, and that may have been where the toy came from that was depicted. Um so anyway, there's always mysteries around collecting, but that's for those of you who had the interest of what is my uh, my historically significant Transformers, that's the, the answer to them. I may do another episode on this at some point in time in the future if you guys want to learn more about it. Um, I can literally go on for hours about the history of Transformers now. Again, I'm I'm a number of years out. Of, some of my knowledge is a little bit rusty. I'd have to go back and, and remember what I know. Um but that's sort of the uh, the basis of what it is. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed this sort of slight divergence, um, you know, from what we had. And if you did, let me know. I can, like I said, tell you more about Transformers collecting and tell you more about hobbies. I'm a bit of a hobby butterfly, so I have a lot of them. Uh, though some have stuck recently as adults. Um, so anyway, I will leave you guys with that and talk to you soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri.